Welcome to WDFG, Dear Final Girl Radio, the advice and horror podcast where life problems have an answer. Now here are your hosts, Lori and Tamara. Hello, Final Girl. Hello, Final Girl. How are you? Oh, you know, it's... We're, we're closing in on a year, and it's, uh, it, I'm feeling it. How about you? I am definitely feeling a year of COVID. Um, I am having a really good, a fantastic March oh, good. so far, though. And I think because we had the vaccine, and because... Something about seeing on the news the other day that like 2 million shots are being administered a day. Mm-hmm. That gave me a boost. Oh, and good. it, you know, people talk about like, well, this isn't the, you know, th- this is like the, the, the beginning of the end. And then, and then it's also the beginning of the beginning. So I kind of feel like, I'm trying to start the clock over and I'm saying, okay, like the new world starts now and in X number of months, you know, almost everyone will be vaccinated or, you right. know, the herd immunity level. So I'm almost trying to create a fake clock. <laughs> yeah. That has nothing to do with Fauci or the CDC or um maybe i feel myself doing that same thing and i'm like oh yeah you know i'm gonna be able to do this thing at the end of june and uh, but i feel like july i just feel like july for sure and then i go i try to just ignore the not ignore the past year but it's sort of like there's a new clock and the new clock starts with just like how this vaccine is now rolling out Mm mm-hmm and it's making me feel better about things. And I am, like everybody else, I am just so ready to get out and do things again. Mm-hmm. Um, I have gone to restaurants here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it, other than like going to the grocery store. Yeah. You know, I've done stuff outside. But I'm, we're all ready. We're all just past ready. I have a question for you. Yes. What's what's the one thing that you're really looking forward to, or the thing that you're looking forward to doing the most that you just really kind of miss? Mm. Long dramatic pause. Yeah, she's thinking. That was that was a pregnant pause. <laughs> um. Let's see. Honestly, I swear the first thing that came to mind is I am just looking forward to not wearing the mask. Yeah. I am looking forward to going wherever without a mask on my face. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, I just... I'm, look- I'm actually looking forward to going back to the office, you know, one or two <laughs> days of the week. I'm ready to see my work friends again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really... Yeah, the... The Zoom meetings are not nearly enough. Um, God, I know that it's shallow and it's probably um, a good representation of my own um, <laughs> like problems, honestly. But God, I, I just want to go sit in a bar 
<laughs> Sorry, I got some. I didn't like get choked up there. I'm not crying. I just, <laughs> just want to go to the bar. I just want to go to the bar. No, but like, there's something about that. Like, I can just sit here forever, talk to people, not talk to people. Honestly, I think like just going to sit at a bar to read a book and drink a beer, which like honestly with kids is pretty. I don't know. I'd have to. There's so many arrangements that have to take place in order for that to happen. But still, like, uh, that that feels like freedom to me. Just, like, sitting at a bar, reading a book, and not having to be anywhere. Honestly, that would be, beyond not wearing a mask, that would be my next thing, too. There's just something about, you know, sitting there, having your cocktail. Which, I mean, like I said, I've been out to restaurants. I have sat with a with a cocktail with a book mm-hmm. in a bar in a restaurant um but i don't i don't stay for long mm-hmm. and like i don't i don't have kids so <laughs> i the reason i say that is because i don't worry about little humans that i might be bringing something home to yeah um the you know the only human i might be bringing something home to is my boyfriend and he's a handyman and he is literally out with people every day Yeah, and has been during the entire pandemic and he's, and I got sick and he didn't. So (laughs) one of those places was my house. (laughs) What's that? One of those places almost a year ago was my house. That is right. And that's in fact, uh, not long after that, how I met him. So, Oh yeah, that's a really good point. Okay. I'm never going to let you live that down. <laughs> I, I will thank you to my dying day as long as things keep going. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I think that uh, all of this really helps to kind of set up today's letter and today's movie, um, which... Uh, do we want to tell the movie? Do we want to read the... Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, This is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, And watching it really brought me back to uh, pretty much college. Um, The movie is 28 Days Later. Um, I I don't know. I feel like I said that so undramatically, but... (laughs) Um, yay! Right. You know what that reminds me of for some reason? Remember the cover of that first really big Black Keys record? And it said, um, um, this is an album by the bland, the back by the band the black keys name of this album is brothers (laughs) it was like your feature presentation for the evening (laughs) that's great that is great um so yeah uh this movie is by Danny Boyle. It's 2002. Danny Boyle of like Slumdog Millionaire. He, I guess he did Frankenstein. He did the um, Steve Jobs movie. 127 Hours in the Beach. He and Train Spotting, obviously, 
which right. is like <laughs> possibly a horror movie. There are some horrific parts to that movie. Oh my gosh, yes, there are. Um, but this, you know, it's kind of outside of what he normally does, right? He's he's kind of just like an artsy. Uh, uh, like almost uh, what am I experimental or like yeah with some stylized you know because the look of this film was very stylized and it made it feel for me like it was either hyper real or that I was watching maybe a video of everything that had gone down. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe I was influenced by those opening scenes where you see the violence. You see all these scenes of violence, and right. then it pans out, and it's, it's, it's across all of the different TV screens that are being, that are part of a, you know, an animal experiment, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very sty- very stylized. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it stylized. Like, sometimes you feel like you're um, watching found footage, and sometimes it's like you're in an art installation in a museum. And um, I feel like a lot of his movies are like that. And looking at um, The Beach, The Beach, like, seemed very realistic and straightforward for the first, you know, hour and a half or whatever. And then... Leonardo DiCaprio is in a video game. <laughs> what? <laughs> I had completely forgotten that. I do. I did see the beach, um, but I had forgotten that. I had forgotten that. So, um, we let's go ahead and read this week's letter so that people have sort of the context around why we chose this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, This week's letter says, Dear Final Girl, it feels like I've lost time. All of the jokes about it being the 376th day of March don't feel like much of a joke. Not only is every day the same, but I can't square the feeling that I've missed out on on an entire year of my life. How do I get back in touch? And this is from Barbara in Iowa. Yes. The uh, parallels between 28 days later and 367 days later, or however the hell long it's been, um, jumped right out at us, for sure. Um, It is so... One of the things, one of the notes that I wrote down about this movie in conjunction with the letter thinking about covid mm-hmm. is can we ever really know how weird this past year was can we ever because oh, that's a it, really good question <laughs> it's i think about this question often of like how do you live how do you live history kind of quote unquote live history how do you go through your own times and experiences you know in a contemporary way and have a sense of the overall is it possible to also have a sense 
some kind of overall sense of the meaning of what you're going through, or is it just natural that all that stuff has to come later? You know, like if we did this episode this time next year, what would what would that look like? Well, yeah, the the hindsight is is really um, really changes your perspective, but um, I also am th- that reminds me of all of those. Well, I don't. All of the tweets that I saw last March, April, that were like, "Make sure that you're journaling about this, so that your children or somebody in the future would be able to see what's happening." And as much so, I journal every day. We've talked about journaling on on the podcast before, but as much as I journal. I have a very difficult time uh, condensing what's going on in the world down into that journal. Because, like, what's going on in the world right now is that my son is potty training and my daughter just started crawling and, like, all of these things that are going on with work that, like the situation of the pandemic has changed but that situ the situation of the pandemic is outside of that and maybe i'll make a note every once in a while of you know so and so is getting the vaccine or you know oh my god my in-laws went to jamaica how cool for them but also like uh you know it seems unfathomable to me right now that that's even possible. Um, yeah, just the the fact that writing about a thing as it's happening is so difficult. Um, and most of the time, like when we're journaling, we are, we are very deep into our own emotional, mental, physical, spiritual experience. And that doesn't necessarily lend itself to broader perspectives. Yeah. I mean, I think I think the way that perspective comes in is that we're usually talking about how we're, we may be talking about how we're feeling, and invariably our feeling state is really about a comparison to what, what we wish it would be or what something was like before, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I, this may be a huge leap, But when I relate this to the movie, the thing that struck me is, oh my gosh, it was just like this perfect microcosm of like the ebb and flow of life. Good shit happens and bad shit happens and good shit happens and then bad shit happens. Mm -hmm. And then the safe, you reach a safe space and then the safe space is not the safe space anymore. Kind of like that when um, when they were able to, when all the characters were able to reach um, where the military was and that big house. And there was a sense of safety there. Mm -hmm. Um, and they had to make, you know, they had to make this decision to even try to go there and to risk leaving where they were. And for a while it was safe and for a while it was good. And then it wasn't again. Right. And it's like, wow, okay. That's pretty much life. (laughs) That's a really good COVID or no. Yeah. 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 Yeah that um you 
we move from one situation to another and then like eventually you know the world is trending towards entropy and so we're going to have chaos even if you stayed in the same spot you'd still have some sort of chaos element like i mean even if i stayed only in this room at some point i'd have to go to the bathroom and so i'd have to figure that out and yeah like there's always some god I'm, a lot of poop talk these days <laughs> <laughs> but I think that like I think that this is the even though we've done quite a few movies regarding the pandemic this is the first one that mirrored it so closely where there was literally a virus that infected people and changed the world. Um, and I think that that gets to how, like the nature of symbolism, like if someone were to write a story right now about the pandemic, it would probably feel like two by four metaphors. Um, but- I talk, we. After you, okay, finish that thought and then talk about two by four metaphors because I don't think I know what that. Oh, means. like a metaphor that hits you with a two by four, oh, hits you across the head. Oh, okay. See, I was overanalyzing. <laughs> so That's what we do on this podcast? Yeah. Um, but what I that it's so present for us right now that the idea of writing about it seems like it is hitting with you it hit using the pandemic as a symbol would hit you with a two by four but the reason that like you know in the 80s 90s aughts that talking about world war ii or vietnam or uh any of those other you know world changing events felt so um poignant was because we had that little bit of distance. You know what this what this makes me think of, and I, I just I shared this with my boyfriend recently. And this is an example of just like how broke I think our education system <laughs> is. When when I was growing up, the way they taught history in high school was like depending on kind of what segment of your education you were in, they just started it over. Mm -hmm. Like you started to get some history in elementary school and then in middle school, they kind of just started it over like, okay, well, let's go back to, you know, the middle ages again. <clears throat> and then you get in high school and they do the same thing. And you net, even though I had a U.S. history book, that like went through the 80s. I mean, it did include it did include early 80s information. You never they never got us anywhere near mm -mm. current times. Mm -mm. And that's really messed up. I think that's I think that's really messed up and I don't know what that has to do with anything about this movie or this <laughs> Maybe it's just I, I, I truly, 
don't know. It just seems like a really weird, messed up way of teaching people of, of teaching people history and helping them relate, learn to relate to their times yeah. at all. Yeah. And I mean, this movie is all of and COVID. Talk about learning to relate to your times. That is what we're all doing right now. Right, right. I can always pull out a connection. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that's why we're here, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, I think, so what's really interesting to me about this letter from Barbara is the idea of losing time. Okay, so while literature, art, all those sorts of things may not be able to fully tap into the experience of the pandemic right now. What's interesting to me is that science has. So in the past couple of days, weeks, I've read a couple of different things. One, uh, which is ironic since we're talking over Zoom right now, Zoom fatigue is real. And Stanford University came out with a thing that was like, you, uh, it's exhausting to look at your own face for this long. It's exhausting to feel this close to other people's faces. And also, if you've got the gallery view up, it feels like being in, <laughs> you just moved your computer back. <laughs> those two things I literally hid myself view and I pushed my laptop away so that you would have a less oh no less view of my face. you're fine but I like your face um but apparently so when you're when you're in a meeting with a whole bunch of people that like and I'm paraphrasing the um article now but it's basically like having everyone in an elevator turn around and look at you at the same time oh and not being able to escape it. And I was like, Oh my God, that's terrifying. I don't, I don't like it. Um, where's I? Oh yeah. So science is dealing with this a lot in ways that probably art can't right now. But I also read something today from the Atlantic uh, which was not scientific necessarily, but basically like that people are having mental fatigue and like forgetting things and um, are not able to have the same like critical thinking because we are doing the exact same thing over and over again and our orbits have become so tiny that our abilities to uh, deal with a lot of the everyday life things are are reducing a lot. Um, <laughs> as... It's like we're all, you know what I was thinking? Because when you were talking about, you know, we're all used to seeing each other on Zoom. And you know that, remember that thing, Flat Stanley? <laughs> okay, we're all Flat Stanley right now. Yep. And it really freaked me out, not freaked me out, but I, I'm looking at you and you're in this little square. You're on, you're on my personal TV. Right. And w one day before the end of this year, I am actually going to get to see you in person. And it is going to be, I think, 
more fantastic than I can possibly imagine. Going back to your original question, what am I looking forward to the most? Seeing my friends in person, Mm -hmm. like seeing them, hugging them, being two inches away from their face and it being okay. Yeah, yeah. My cousin, um, she works from home. The only, you know, being she sees is her dog, really. And maybe, like, our hairdresser, I think, is the only other place that she goes. And uh, so she's come over for brunch a couple of times because we don't go anywhere. And the kids go to daycare, but, you know, we don't go anywhere. Um, and it's just, I love my husband, but it's been really nice to see somebody other than him. Um, on the opposite end of that is that I went and picked up some toys that my neighbor wanted to give to us. Um, and she and I haven't talked a whole lot. You know, we've maybe texted back and forth, even though our back doors face one another, um <laughs> back doors um but <laughs> she like i i went over there stopped on the way home from picking up the kids had double masks on cuz dr fauci says double mask um and talked to her for a minute and it was exhausting not because of who she is not because of we talked about anything crazy, but it was really just like, how do I be social again? How do I, how do I talk to people? How do I, do I trust people anymore? Like, I don't even know. Um, and I think that that really hits on a lot of things that happened in the movie. Um, Selena does not trust Jim. She doesn't trust Jim, and then she doesn't trust Hannah and Frank to be able to take care of themselves. Um, The whole... uh, Jim wakes up after being in this coma, has no idea what's going on, and kind of has to, like, learn the world around him. And I feel like that's all of us right now, like, relearning the world around us. Um, and then God bless Frank and Hannah because Hannah doesn't let them in originally when, um, Selena and Jim make it up to the apartment, but which is like, good for you, girl, keep it, keep us out. But, um, Frank being so frank (laughs) like he is just very straightforward he wants he's like his name is frank yeah exactly um but he he knows that if that he and hannah stay up there they're not going to survive and so finding that like relying on other people for survival is incredibly important in this movie um yes and i kept thinking like um just i mean just to use some kind of broad terms you know through their experiences 
the 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 weak become strong the strong become vulnerable you see you know jim who never thought he could he could kill he's got to kill to survive which mm-hmm. is what um oh my gosh what is the 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 female the female lead what is her name again selena selena you know she's 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 so tough and she's so hardened and she's so cynical and she's that way for a reason and she's just kind of barely kind of humoring um jim and what and and how he thinks he's going to be in this situation and not capable of committing violence and then he has to but then she softens as well Mm -hmm. um and it kind of you know the relate the situations are constantly changing the the relationship dynamics are constantly changing and I, this word and it's the weirdest word but this is the word that came to mind is like the commerce like the commerce of human relationships mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I don't even actually mean to like depersonalize or de-emotionalize or human to relationships capitalize by using that word you know but there is there there is a commerce between us and the thing that that I try to remember when I am in a really difficult situation with someone where they're just kind of the feel like they're the bane of my existence and all of my focus is on the conflict that I'm having with that person yeah in a life-threatening situation, I would not hesitate to grab that person's hand and help them. Mm-hmm. And all, all of the conflict would instantly fall away. And I do think that for us, COVID and the characters in this film, we're like, we're all presented with these situations that give us the opportunity to like reassess, decide what's important, not get, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. I mean, (laughs) there have been so many positive changes from COVID, which is difficult to say, but it is true. Even as, even as we are in the midst of over half a million lives lost just in the United States. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's really uh, poignant and important to point out that there, that for many of us, what this pandemic has done is sort of crystallize what's important. And the the letter from Barbara. Um, that every day is the same Um, and feeling like you've missed out on an entire year of your life. Uh, I, I understand the monotony and the feeling that um, there's no escape. Um, so I know for myself when I'm depressed uh, because I start thinking, is tomorrow going to be just the same thing that 
today was and what, you know, thinking of how I'm going to have to live the same day over and over and over again until I die. And it's like, oh goodness, you know, when I, when I finally wake up to that thinking of like, oh, hey, honey, have you, when was the last time you took your medication? <laughs> you know? Maybe it's time to call your therapist. Um, but You know, and I did have, like, I, I had that moment, and I think, you know, I, I, I think I had the stereotypical midlife crisis. Uh-huh. I, I reached this point in my mid-40s where it was like, is this it? is this all there is, you know, like just all of these days strung together. I've already done these days strung together for 45 years. I might have to do them for another 45. (laughs) And that was not an appealing thought to me at the time. And when I'm particular, you know, when I'm feeling weary, it's still not a particularly, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. pleasant thought, but it's the whole, like, nobody wants to live of, you know, that, that life, life has to be in, we endured, life is something to be endured. Right. Um, but COVID, you know, the, the virus zombie apocalypse, post-apocalypse in, in in 28 (laughs) days later, I mean, there's, there, there, there is, there's a lot of endurance. There's a lot of endurance going on in the sameness and the lost time of yeah. these days, like Barbara mentioned. Yeah. But I think that, you know, when I was talking to the neighbor today, she was talking about uh, her mother, and she said, um, oh, well, you know, my parents are in our pod. And I was like, oh, Right a pod like we are in in this house and i guess like my cousin is really the only person that's in our pod you know other than what we could do and what we've been saying we were going to do is to invite over some friends of ours whose kid is in the same class as our daughter and like they're already sharing germs anyways why not just like you know bring the parents into the party right um but it reminds me of what happens earlier early on in the movie where mark and selena bring uh jim into the uh what is that like a like a a bodega, you know, the, the little mini Mart, right? Right. Selena says no one ever comes back. And then Mark tells him the rules, right? Two rules. No, never go alone and only travel in daylight. And I think that first rule is really important as far as humans surviving any sort of, um, uh, trouble or um, not just a pandemic, but the fact that we are such social beings. I mean, in the movie, it's like never go alone because you always need somebody to watch your back. But that's just good 
advice for everything in general. That's why people have therapists. A therapist is the is your sidekick who is like, hey, look, you know, on your six, there's uh, a fast zombie. Oh, shoot. We haven't even talked about fast zombies. <laughs> Sorry. Feel free, feel free to pivot. <laughs> okay. So fast zombies. Uh, I love zombie movies. I love zombie stories. Um, the Walking Dead is a fantastic show that I absolutely love. There are a lot of echoes of this movie in The Walking Dead. The difference is, and I think it's... I wonder if it's because fast zombies are harder to survive, but The Walking Dead has slow zombies. 28 Days Later has fast zombies. What we don't see a lot of in this movie that we see a lot of in the... Um, Walking Dead shows, and I assume the comic books, which I have not read, but uh, it, we don't see a lot of the um, the actual zombie killing. Um, and the way that people get infected is almost like tertiary, you know? Like Frank gets infected not because he's bit, but because a little droplet of blood goes down and gets in his eyes. The, the speed with which he's infected and the speed that the zombies can run are two things that make this very terrifying. Very terrifying? Makes it more terrifying? I don't know. Whatever. The terrifyingest. It is the terrifyingest. It is the most terrifyingest. Oh, yes. Even more terrifyinger um, than Walking Dead. But uh, when I was kind of looking this up before I watched the movie, it was like, this is the scariest movie ever. And I was like, really? Is it the scariest movie ever? Um, but I think the implications of fast zombies because we all think of like the zombie like yeah we're coming to get you barbara <laughs> and we'll get there eventually in our sl slow shambling <laughs> yeah they get slower <laughs> as the zombie continues to rot um the other the other movie and book um, that has fast zombies, which is terrifying, is World War Z. I have I have not see, seen that, and I do I do just like the whole. I mean, I I do like that we can have fast moving zombies now because, you know, we're we were used to a particular kind of zombie. Same with serial killers. You know, they can always walk as serial killers and like Michael Myers and. Like, he can always walk as slow as he freaking wants to. He's still going to get you. Yeah. You know, what's that about? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I would suggest that you both read World War Z and watch the movie because they are two entirely separate things. Like, the book is 
or the movie is like one sliver of what happens in the book. Also, did you know that the author of World War Z is Mel Brooks's son? I did not know that, and that is awesome because I love Mel Brooks, and I want everybody in his family to be successful. Agreed. <laughs> Done. <laughs> um, go on. I've been yeah, talking no, for a I, long time. I may be changing the thread, so do you, is there, is there yeah, more? Yeah, pivot. Okay. Pivot. So, it really struck me, you know, you're thrown into into like intense action and violence immediately in this film mm -hmm. and if you know anything about the movie and what you're getting into then you assume that you're in a kind of real time and then we find out these are images on the screen they're, they're they may be contemporary images to what is happening in the film but maybe not because it is an experiment. I mean, they're showing these chimpanzees, all these violent images. So it's like, okay, all this stuff, all this like crazy violence happening on the screen. And there's a line where Selena, there's Selena is, is talking about like the spread. And I think, I think this was her line. I think this is a quote. Um, she said, all of a sudden, the virus wasn't on TV anymore. Yes. It was in the street. Yes. And that was like, oh, my God, you know, that is, <laughs> feels so much like what, it, what has been going on with COVID. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that kind of hit me is... It is just so hard when, when a situation is surreal, like, cause I think COVID is both hyper real and mm -hmm. surreal. Yeah. And it is in the streets. It is, it is in the streets and it is also on freaking TV. It is both. And I don't exactly know where I'm going with that, but it, except I had this related thought of would the storming of the Capitol have happened if we all hadn't been so freaking locked up? Like, would that same, I mean, there was still a presidential election, there was still a lot of inflammatory rhetoric, and there was still... Um, yeah, and th there were those things. And on top of it, COVID, would that have happened if we had not just been through, you know, nine months of, of COVID? I think a, a, a similar question is whether the Black Lives Matter movement and the protest following George Floyd's death would have happened um, and, you know, my thought on that is that there is, there's only so, so much stress that people can take and some of us deal with it in this sort of loss of time way where our brain is like, 
nope, shorten out, can't handle it, sorry. And then some of us, um, or even the same people, but at other times and under different situations, say, I've got to do something about this and I'm, I'm not going to take it anymore. Uh, and that's a like weird and wonderful thing about our brains is how it both, it can both, the same stressors under different situations can spur us to action or inaction. I think that that's really um, interesting in, when you look at Selena and Hannah in the um, army base. Oh my gosh, all of a sudden it was like Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, yeah. Um, go on. No, that's it. No, you go. And then I have another thought that I'm not comfortable with, but I'll share it anyway. Now I want to hear it. (laughs) I, there is something that I could understand when the army captain played by Christopher Eccleston, who I just think is groovy. (laughs) I think. I think in real life, maybe he's kind of an asshole. (laughs) Possibly. Um, I don't know. I hear things, but, um, but I, I really like him as an actor and where he talks about like, look, after all this has happened, I promised them women. And even though that is completely repugnant, it is also on some level understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's right. But it is understandable. It is like after you have gone through all of this hell, what what is something that is like a reward? But then, of course, inevitably, you know, they're going to abuse the quote unquote reward. Right. It, it's just it's super problematic. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and are people a reward? Are are, are other people right. who have agency? And one of the ways that Selena deals with that is by taking away Hannah's agency. You know, if I drug you, you're not gonna care. And Hannah, of course, is not happy with this, but um, she's also not. You know, she had a half of a pill or whatever when Jim was like, come on, Frank, it'll be fine. Um, But in a sweet way, like that was, hmm, I don't know. Uh, There's a lot to unpack there. But the, the idea that giving someone to somebody else as a reward, like, obviously is unsettling but then the very deep reasoning there that well we've got to keep humanity alive it's like yeah but do do we especially if these guys are total dickheads and i don't know right what are we what are we keeping alive yeah we're we're keeping alive the best and worst of ourselves because that's who we are I hesitate to say this, but it it is. Was there a lot of like 
Nazi echoes in the way that the that was all built up like I feel like the army's outfits like when they were in their dress stuff and then his haircut and all of that like sort of had Nazi echoes and I think I would have to watch it again to see if there were if they're because they were in that like mural room for mm-hmm. dinner and I wonder if there were things in the background that was kind of giving me those things but also the women were definitely in red dresses which has that sort of sort of like fertility but also horror connotations uh, just oh there's so much like the the movie kind of took a turn when it went there yeah yeah no that's a really good call out and i i would want to watch that again as well to see yeah what because there would have to be so much in that environment that would kind of support that you know symbols of that symbols of that authoritarian and maybe yeah like symbols of danger like when 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 and this is true of life as well when do we notice things when should we have noticed them how long were the messages or the indicators there before we actually catch on to things right. <laughs> i think honestly i think that's kind of like one of like the that's that's kind of like one of the things that we are here to learn how to do well is to like read the signs <laughs> yeah and and like change before change becomes a necessity change mm-hmm in a place of, from a place of strength instead of a place of weakness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, a proactivity, as much as I hate that word, rather than a reactivity. Um, Is there such a thing as connectivity? (laughs) Proactivity and connectivity. Connectivity would be maybe being frozen. Then this kind of, I could just like spin off in the flight fight freeze which is in a in a post-apocalyptic situation you would be constantly confronted with those uh those responses from your mind and your body yeah absolutely okay so what's interesting to me about this movie and i have not seen 28 months later 28 what's what's the what's the follow up to this i can't remember i saw it and i i had remembered that there was another film yeah um yeah the sequel to this is something so uh what's interesting to me is that there's one guy when Jim is locked up in the like the dungeon part. Um, the other guy is like, oh, you know, they cut off, cut us off an island of infected or something like that. And Jim later sees a 
airplane going way overhead like it's passing England by. And so we kind of start getting this sense that this is this is being contained to England. Even though they heard about things in Paris and New York on the news before everything shut out, we kind of get the sense that they're being contained in England. And then at the end, Jim, Selena, and Hannah are out on this farm. And we see that they're getting together these SOS uh, messages, which hello and not SOS. I, I like hello has got to be so much harder to put together. Anyways. Um, <laughs> I did note that. Yeah. It was like, Oh, that's an interest. That was an interesting choice. Right. Uh, but what I, what I'm getting at is that it's almost like when they get rescued or when it's assumed that they get rescued that the rest of the world is still working the same way that they'll that they will go back to the way the world used to be and yeah yeah, quite frankly when i saw that plane for the first time i was like how do you know that's a good sign how do you know (laughs) that that means something good and hopeful because at one point the military, you know, the military presence and getting to them in that house, at one point, that was the good thing. And then it wasn't the good thing. So yeah, I was, I had a very cynical, at first I was like, well, I don't know. I don't know about that plane. (laughs) Do do you really want to be waving like that? Maybe. And that's the thing is that I wonder what the conversations were in that other 28 days when Jim was sick that caused them to go ahead and put together the sheets and caused them to reach out to whoever's flying over. Um, Because, yeah, that's a risky thing. And you would think that they would have said, nah, nah, we're going to hide here. We're going to, we're not going to mess with that. It almost makes me want to do an, an experiment and like challenge our listeners. Mm. Like after you hear this podcast, um, see what happens over the next 28 days. Like literally in your mind, say, define a, a pot of time, if you will, mm-hmm. that is 28 days and see, see what happens. And is it possible that things could have happen differently simply by putting a specific marker around the time period because you know that could actually be pretty healthy i mean number one it could help us break down how many segments of 28 days we have left until (laughs) we can not wear masks anymore and we can move freely about the cabin (laughs) and we don't normally mark time that way unless we're doing like specific goals or challenges like I'm doing a 28 day cleanse or yeah I'm doing a 28 day crossfit you know those things are usually goal oriented but what if we marked what if we marked time but it wasn't associated with particular goals it was just a way of kind of hey if I could put a period of my life in some kind of petri dish like what would happen yeah, because, you know, when you said 
28 days, I was thinking about how I have like various accountability groups set up for goal, like writing goals and things like that. Um, but that those, those help me to be like, Oh, I've got a deadline on something, but just kind of like understanding what's the difference between, you know, March, what's today? Ninth, um, March ninth, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you know, whatever twenty eight days from now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you don't. Let's just say March sixth or seventh. I'll just. I mean, yeah. Like, I think that we as humans really enjoy anniversaries because mm -hmm. we mark time by that like well it's been about a year since lockdown okay well we're t minus seven days from a year of lockdown but what i think that in some way we just kind of like oh hey it's it's the anniversary of this thing do you remember what things were like seven years ago do you remember what they were like 28 years ago those the which is why we go to reunions which is why we um celebrate anniversaries why we celebrate birthdays so that we can help mark time which brings me to what i was going to suggest to barbara as a prescription wonderful and it has a very similar thing a, a similar deal with what um, you were saying as far as your challenge to our listeners. But to Barbara, what I want to say is that you need to find something to mark your time. So previously, in, in the before times, right, we would say, okay, <laughs> a birthday party. Or we mark moving into a house with a um, housewarming party. Uh, we've marked Christmas or New Year's or um, we mark um, anniversaries um, or any, any number of things or trips, you know vacations oh do you remember back in this year when we went on vacation to this place and oh goodness it's been eight years since that happened um find a way to do something out of the ordinary either you know once a week once a month something where you either go and see something new or you go to do something safely outside, um, but make a point to change things up either weekly or monthly so that you can sort of mark time because our brains, this is one of the things that I was reading today is that our brains forget the things that it doesn't need, which is why you can drive home from work and not remember every turn that you made or every car that's in. Because your brain's like scrubbing it out. Yeah, we don't need that anymore. Um, and so if your life continues to be the same every day, you're gonna stop marking time. So you have to kind of 
go out, you know, do something different in order to help your brain remember things and start marking that time again. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's fantastic. And was that what, where, um, what you were talking about, what you read, was that like, do you have a link to that article? Sure do. Um, it's from the, sure. Um, it's from the Atlantic and it's called late stage pandemic is messing with your brain by Ellen Cushing. Um, I think every stage pandemic has messed with our brain, but, <laughs> but what it does make me think about is um, I, I, I was like a uh, Mount Everest documentary junkie for a while, Oh, and um, I could easily be again, um, <laughs> but they talked about how most of the accidents and deaths on Everest happen when people are coming down. Uh-huh. Because people's brains, like, oh, I got to my goal. Like, I, almost like there's a part of the brain that's like, I'm done. Except you're not done. you got to successfully come down. Right. And, um, yeah, random related share there. Well, but also, I mean, that's that's the way that things are going with the vaccine. I have a friend who, like, he said to me, oh, I don't, I don't need to wear a mask. You don't have to wear a mask in front of me because I've got the vaccine. And I was like, ah, I still don't feel comfortable with that. So, and if we take that, if we take that thought process and we grow it larger, then we get states like Texas and Mississippi announcing we're totally open again. Uh, my county, well, not my county, it's like it starts 500 yards to the south. Um, but you know, right outside of my neighborhood, uh, has uh, said no mask mandate. Like you don't have to wear a mask in public places. Thankfully, our um, our daycare, which is in that county, was like. So we strongly recommend that you wear a mask inside our facility, and all of our teachers will be still wearing wearing a mask around your children. I was like, oh, thank God. (laughs) No kidding. So what if you went to a Publix in that county? Can you just walk in there without a mask, but then wouldn't Publix potentially still be enforcing its own corporate policy? Yes. And then, then we just get like a whole new fresh bumper crop of videos on YouTube of people getting into mass conflicts in the grocery store. Yep. Oh, as we began the pandemic, so do we end it. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this the other day, but there was a um, fight over some woman who decided that she wasn't going to wear her mask in Bath and Body Works. And it was a brawl and caught from several camera angles. Um, Locally? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Somewhere in America. (laughs) Yeah. Arizona, I think. But. Mm. Well, the only other thing I want to say about this movie is that it did feature full frontal male nudity. Yes! I um, wrote that which down. Is always refreshing. Yeah. Um, and if Joe Bob was doing a drive-in total on this, he would 
He would mark that as one wang doodle. One wang doodle. I said <laughs> penis shot, period, and then dash, oh, a couple of them. <laughs> okay. Good, good for you, Cillian Murphy. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, he's a good looking man. Um, the, okay, the one thing that I had, like, that kind of question, not the zombies. Not the, you know, apocalypse, not London being a, a ghost town. The one thing that broke my feeling of reality in this movie was Selena's early aughts flat ironed hair. Like, how how is her hair so straight? throughout this whole movie like it, it is like I'm sorry this is just it's that was the point of unreality to me um that is so observant that is like so I never even thought about that um never even thought about that at all um, and let me say, her hair looks cool, and I am—I'm so glad that she invested in the batteries for that like purse flat iron that we uh, like. I definitely had the tiny little flat iron in the early aughts because that you know that's what we did. But I'm—I'm I'm glad that she invested in it. I think that maybe her energy might have been well used otherwise um but that yes was... it kind of reminds me and and uh may, maybe maybe this is a, a good a good a good approach toward conclusion <laughs> is all of those memes that came out early pandemic it is like this is what i thought i would look like in a post-apocalyptic yeah. world and it was like Trinity from the Matrix. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, this is what I really look like. It's like sweatpants, you know. <laughs> sweatpants and masks. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, so if we're, if we're just going to end on memes, I also think that the point in this movie where Frank is saying, Oh look at that! Fa look at those horses. They're a family, and somebody's say like, "Oh, you know, do you think they're infected?" And my first thought was, "Nature is healing itself." <laughs> <laughs> you know, remember early in the pandemic where it was like nobody's on the streets of New York City, and so the raccoons and like deer start showing up. It's like. Nature's not healing itself. These animals have been <laughs> just like living on the edges forever. Oh goodness. Um, speaking of speaking of living on the edge, you know, Barbara, you're not alone. Um, find ways to mark time, uh, even when even when we're on the edge. You know, it's like the, th things will change the next the next moment, and we have increasingly had to turn to like our own creative and imagined abilities, you know, during this situation to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even if your way of marking time is, I don't know, like 
look, it took me another seven days to make it through this vodka bottle. <laughs> Sorry, that's not I healthy. I said you went to booze because I was thinking like, oh, look at the pyramid I made out of beer cans and now it takes up half the wall, you know? Uh, <laughs> oh gosh, we really, sh I missed an opportunity. I've been like buying plants and trying to make them grow when I should have been investing in frat party or frat house uh, decorations this whole time. <laughs> this whole time. Pizza box, couches. And oh my God. Could you imagine the number of forts we could make with those pizza boxes? Oh, oh Fishy goodness. would love that. <laughs> now I'm going to have to order a pizza. Ooh. Everybody enjoy a imaginary slice of pizza on us your mm. your final dears yeah. and uh yes until yeah until next time hey like rate and subscribe um no but really like rate and subscribe to dear final girl send us your questions at final dear at gmail.com uh tweet at us wait dear final girl at gmail.com i always screw this up and tweet us at, at Final Deer on Twitter. That is correct. That mm. is correct. And the week after this airs, uh, we are going to have a new origin story from, you know him, you love him, Seth the Mad Scientist, Yay. otherwise known as Beer Nut on uh -huh. Twitter. Uh -huh. He is a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous um, just anchor of this wonderful horror community at Beer Nut One. So we look yeah. forward after this episode to his origin story. Absolutely. All right. Have a wonderful week, y'all. We'll see you again. Yep. Stay safe and spooky and all that good stuff. Yeah. All right. Bye. 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 Hey, final girls, final boys, and final non-binaries. Tamara and I are honored to be your dear Abbies of horror, but that's all we are. People struggling just like you. We're not professionals. If you're in crisis, please reach out. We like to pr promote the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at suicidepreventionlifeline.org, phone number 1-800-273-8255. There's an online chat, and they're even on Twitter. Their profile is The Lifeline, and the handle is at 800-273-TALK. The Lifeline isn't just for life-threatening situations. It's free and confidential support for anyone who needs it at any time for any reason. Just know you're not alone. Tam and I wouldn't be doing this podcast if we hadn't been there, too. Take care.